Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, Hans shares his winding path from college to IB in the Netherlands and eventually Egypt. Listen to hear how he valued international exposure and how he was able to land a position with the private arm of the World Bank before heading off to Tuck for his MBA. Enjoy. All right, Hans, welcome to the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Thank you for having me. How are you? Great. Uh, so it'd be awesome if you could just give the listeners a short summary of your bio. Yeah, yeah. Starting at, uh, I'll skip all the irrelevant things, the high school the, and all that stuff and growing up, childhood. Uh, <laughs> I went to undergrad at UC Roosevelt, a uh, very international program in Middleburg, close to the Belgian border, south of the Netherlands. Um, and 50% of the people are uh, are international, so you can do a lot, get foreign credits, get it incorporated. I went to, to London, LSE, went to Lyon, France, went to UCLA, Los Angeles, got all those credits in a degree. Then went to uh, grad school in Utrecht, got a master's in uh, law and economics, supervision and regulation of markets, mm-hmm. and uh, ended up doing some grad internships, uh, international technology and trade associates in Washington, D.C., a consulting firm, oil and gas market consulting, uh, for Lonsfold Bankiers, a wealth management firm in uh, Hilversum, the Netherlands. Then did some trade politics, a brief stint uh, at the Royal Netherlands Embassy in Washington, D.C., and uh, then went to ING, uh, a major financial institute in the Netherlands, Europe, and the U.S. as well, of course. Australia has a major market, but I was on Dutch domestic. I did that for close to two years before switching to the ISC, the International Finance Corporation, the private sector branch of the World Bank Group in Egypt, and um, did MENA at first, then some split happened, some rearrangements, and uh, I ended up with Middle East, Central Asia, and uh, Pakistan, Turkey. And uh, after two and a half years, I got accepted to Dartmouth Tuck, and I'll start uh, soon, August 8th. So that's where we are. That's exciting, man. A lot to unpack. Let's actually start all the way back at Roosevelt. So let's let's go all the way back. Let's go to Roosevelt. Let's hear a little bit about where you always thinking career in finance or law specifically. It sounds like a really cool program if you're able to go to all those other schools. So you, how long did you spend in UCLA? How long were you in the other schools? Was it like only one semester or, or what? Yeah, yeah, I'll take you through it. So um, to be completely fair and open with you, I wanted to go to the UK after high school. And um, you know, I went through the UKIP thing. All your uh, like English listeners will know what that is. You, know, you go through all these uh, application portals and stuff. 
And no, it's my parents. Uh, my dad actually went to Nairobi for a lecture one night, a business school, a like famous business school in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, I heard about this small liberal arts college all the way down south by the Belgian border. They speak English all day and it's still here. It will be perfect for you. So they kind of, you know, uh, nudged me in the right direction. But I ended up going there for an open day and uh, I liked it a lot. And it was the environment I was looking for, the international exposure I, I, I wanted early on. So I went for it. That's how I ended up there. And um, the London School of Economics was my first summer. Uh, I went to London uh, in between the first and second year. In between the second and third, I went to Lyon to learn Fra- uh, French. But um, to be fair, I uh, hung out with the English a lot. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my, my French is not, uh, not, not that great, but I had an amazing time. I would highly recommend going to Lyon. And uh, <laughs> Catholic University of Lyon offers a, a great, great program. Uh, it's, it's so much fun. People from all over the world. That's and cool. Then, yeah, then I went to UCLA for, um, for about half a year. That was my uh, first U.S. experience. And, what do you uh, think of that compared to the others? Um, I guess, like speaking as a Dutch person, California is a good place to start out at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's culturally very similar. It's just like it's Holland with better weather. I used to say when I was there, like as a joke. Yeah, uh, which is which is that it's more true than you'd say. It's um, it's fairly accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt very at home. Um, like, yeah, it, it was like it had a profound impact. I started searching ways to to go back to the U.S. whenever I could. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And then what do you think, uh, you know, you're, you're majoring in like law, political science, stats and, and stuff. What, what made you kind of think, okay, now it's time to go get a law degree, a master's in law rather than, you know, were you thinking at all when you were undergrad, like, hey, I, I should go into finance right away or I should get a, get a legal job or is it, it was pretty standard. I know in Europe, it's more common to go straight to the master's. Yeah, yeah, indeed. It's very common to go straight to the master's. Um, in fact, you kind of need it too. So I was I was already thinking of business school in the U.S., but to get to business school you need a master's. It's it's odd you need a master's to get into the master's, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's because the countries are are not synced in in the world yet. But it's the yeah. way it is. But that was a three year program. It looks like or two and a half years or something. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's uh it's not really on paper, but um you may be familiar with this. But it's quite common in Europe to put your master's thesis on the shelf. Mm. Uh, so you can do internships very often you need to be a registered student somewhere to intern like the government for instance if you right. want to intern in uh, in diplomacy at an embassy you need to be a registered student so i, I took advantage of that by uh, making the program a bit longer than it should be and so yeah and so in terms of like should i think of it as like the equivalent of master of laws is similar to like a jd here in the u.s i think a jd is a bit more intense more and intense. generally longer yeah okay yeah, and then so tell me a little bit about the specifics of like when you started, you know, these internships. What kind of opened your eyes the most? What was, I guess, not the worst experience, but was the kind of like eye-opening of like I definitely don't want to do that, or you know, there's certain things that started piquing your interest. Was it more like the economic finance side? Is that what kind of started guiding you in there, or when did you kind of? Well, I think like to go back to the UCLA experience. At, at that point, I decided, okay, I do want to spend like a large. Um, like segment of life uh, in the U.S. At some point, there was no rush, but that that was became a goal. And I started to think like, what what would be interesting to do? Liberal arts is not very specific, so I need to like get more on point, you know, like a sp- become a specialist in something. 
and choose a profession. And I figured diplomacy. I figured maybe I can go become a diplomat and go to the United States and you know, work at one of the consulates in Chicago, New York, or Atlanta, San Francisco, or the embassy in DC. Um, so that, that sort of became a goal. And while I was chasing that goal, I, I, I mean, I, I eventually ended up being an intern at an embassy. So I, I think I was fairly on track with that. But I met people in DC uh, within the World Bank system, um, you know, doing development finance work. And that sort of sparked an even greater interest. And yeah, I think that's, that's when I started going down the finance path. That's why I went back to the Netherlands, found a job with ING, who gave me uh, like a shot, even though I had a law degree, and you know, signed up for the CFA program and really dived into finance. Interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So like you're at the embassy, you're kind of thinking, oh, maybe this finance thing's a little more interesting for me. I'm more curious. I want to explore this. So the decision of you're in DC, right? Yeah, I was in DC. Yeah. And was it just like it was an internship? So it was coming to an end. How did you kind of make that transition back home smooth in such a way where like you did land that job? at ING with the law yeah, background? How did you convince them yeah. to do that? Because I think that's a lot of people have that struggle here in the US, even they have the JD and then suddenly they're like, actually, I want to do investment banking and it's very hard to kind of point to your CV. Yes, yes, I, I totally see how, how that's a hard pivot. And um, yeah, so if I, if I can give one tip, ING is a place where like you can get your shot, even though you may have a bit of a non-traditional background. I mean, I'm a case in point for that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I had some time that, that also helped. I, I took about three months to like go through the, the actual uh, job search and um, you know, tried out different offices in different cities, uh, had coffee chats at different uh, bank branches. Um, and it wasn't really a gap either because at the time we had elections in the Netherlands and uh, I, was, I was volunteering with a, um, with a campaign. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was doing something useful. I wasn't like sitting around doing nothing. So it, it, it worked out. I, I got, I had some time to, to make sure I set myself up right. Tell me that. about how you approached coffee chats for this stuff. So like you were, it sounds like you were pretty open to going anywhere in the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fun fact, I went to the IFC and I wrote them a letter. I'll take the job anywhere. And they said, how about Egypt? <laughs> That's how I ended up in Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me about, yeah, but tell me more about the, so we'll get there, but tell me about the ING experience. Was it similar? Were you talking, having these coffee chats with people in all, all over the world or how were you setting up these coffee no, chats? I found, I found that indeed you, it is hard. Like you, you were right. It is hard to, um, to beat the, uh, the, the image of, you know, not being prepared. Do you actually have the skills for this? I, I, well, your I, CV I probably screaming law. I mean, you had it undergrad, you then went to, to the master's. They, they saw it and they were like, okay, he's been doing interesting things and they invited me. Um, but I mean, I flunked on technicals in, in certain interviews when they were really pressing. I got, I got like to round three with ABN at their headquarters in Amsterdam at a commodities desk. Um, mainly because of that internship with a consulting firm uh, in the oil and gas market. But I mean, they realized, okay, this kid is not up for the job, right? I mean, to be fair, I just what was- What were they quizzing you on? Just like basic oil markets, energy pr- prices, stuff like that? Well, like- I, I, could, I could get drivers, but as soon as you get to um, you know, anything that requires some Excel work, valuations, <laughs> I, I, wasn't, I wasn't ready for that. I hadn't done it ever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I had to like really brush up on the theory. I realized that as I was applying for jobs, mm-hmm. and um, 
eventually it did work out um, uh, at the ING office in Zwolle, where they have um, they do corporate banking domestics. Yeah. Uh, for like the the mid corporates or the somewhat larger companies, but not the international multinationals. Yeah. Um, and they do that for uh, the entire northeast of the country. The, that office is in Zola, which is where I'm from. So I guess that also sort of that probably helped. helped. Yeah, it helped. Yeah, and so you were going to those interviews. It wasn't as technical. They had a training program. They put you through that type of thing. Yeah, or? yeah. The uh, I mean, I had to uh, I had to indeed go through the whole training program, and I was being like monitored on results and uh, attentiveness, and but. They gave me the shot, you know. They, uh, I think they had they reached the same conclusion as ABN did, but they uh, they had a different outcome. That's great. I love it. So you're there for almost two years. Uh, tell me about that progress from like when you first started um, as an was it an analyst, or are they calling you an analyst? They called you an associate because you've been doing they stuff. Me an associate, yeah. And so, so were you were you managing analysts? No, I wasn't managed. No, it's uh, it doesn't work that way. Um, it's not the same as in, in the us and in the us indeed but yeah i, I mean if you want to equate it i, I was an analyst yeah okay and so you, how did how did you feel kind of this first seven months or first six months was it really a struggle like or did you pick up the work pretty fast um in terms of like the financial modeling the valuation work were you put on deals right away were you pitching a lot what was it like working there and then how did you progress and, and then why start kind of looking elsewhere uh oh well, i think it's a lot uh, of questions in a row sorry yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, <laughs> i think i got pretty um I, I got pretty good at at certain aspects of the job and then you know as things go within firms if they realize you can do something well uh, you tend to do mostly that so um it wasn't financial uh you know valuations it wasn't a lot of modeling especially those first seven months that's not what i was doing i was very busy with um you know, searching databases, prospecting, identifying companies we could reach out to, making pitch decks, yep. uh, the relationship managers would take as they would like go out to those companies to yep. see what kind of business we could do together. Um, like uh, liaise with uh, ING corporate investments or the corporate finance teams, uh, or even entrepreneur wants to like retire and sell the firm, for instance. Yep. So it, a lot of that work, a lot of the... The less less technical, more human aspect, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and for sure, a lot of the pitch work that's that's tough. It's it's a lot of lifting. So, were you like after a year, where you're like, okay, I can't keep doing this, or what was your thought process in terms of thinking of your next step? So, I know eventually you you were on the phone with IFC saying, I'll I'll go anywhere, <laughs> which is how you ended up in Egypt. But tell me, in okay, Cairo, right? I wanted to leave like that badly. That's uh, just just to be clear. But I, I really wanted to go abroad. Is a, is a short answer. You wanted to travel again. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted the international experience. Um, wasn't necessarily aiming for the Middle East, but I mean, I was excited. When yeah, uh, and so let's let's talk about that. So when did you start kind of looking for that job at IFC? Did you talk to any other firms, um, or was it you know IFC was one of your first one people? You spoke where you know first jobs you applied to, and then got you got it right away and just went. Or what was that that whole process? That job. I, I knew I had to reach a certain point, right? So uh, I knew uh, because while I was in DC at the embassy, I met some people at, at IFC headquarters. Uh, a Dutch woman who was like very willing to like meet with me, and it's always good to find your own nationality. By the way, that's a tip for anyone listening. But 
find people that have the same background within that international scene and uh, they, they will, they're willing to like put you on the, on the bandwagon. Um, but so she was very willing to like help and she explained the process to me and I learned that they do not hire straight out of school. Mm-hmm. So you need to reach like the two year point. Um, you know, uh, you're talking IFC in particular. IFC, IFC doesn't really hire analysts that like, just graduated. And can you tell me about that firm, like for people that aren't familiar with it? Is it? Yeah, yeah, of course. So the IFC stands for International Finance Corporation, uh, the private sector branch of the World Bank Group. Mm-hmm. And what they do is um, uh, a lot of a lot of uh, work. You you could also like like explain as uh, investment banking in emerging markets. Yeah. That, that might mean more to the people who are listening. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a development angle to the work. It's equity, it's debt, um, it's deals all over the world. Uh, but it's not just the returns that, that like get measured in terms of return on capital. Like financially, it also gets measured in terms of uh, did we uh, create sustainable employment? Uh, like did, do we, did we uh, get, provide does the firm we invest in provide you know better wages things like that so we try to measure a, a certain impact that helps emerging markets develop and so people who are really interested in like impact investing this would be like a dream job for them yeah yeah i guess yeah i mean impact investing is like the broader umbrella right yeah uh, for a lot of these you also have pe firms that, that focus specifically on, on emerging markets we work i work with those yeah and then we work, uh so you guys were actually putting capital to work as well. You weren't just advising, but you were advising as well. Or like, is it is there a fund? Yeah, yeah. there's advisory services as well. So you can think of just to give an example. Let's say you're investing in a date plantation in Tunisia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could offer advisory services on better irrigation techniques, or mm-hmm. you're investing in a, a company in. Would you charge for that advisory services though? Like, yeah, you- yeah, yeah. It's a revenue stream. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, because it's the it's the private arm, right? So you're trying to actually make it sustainable and so like that. Is it still nonprofit? No, it's not. It is profit. Yeah, or profit. I mean, yeah, if we would let's say put out loans and not make any profit on it, it would distort uh, the existing financial uh, sector. Yeah. Okay. And so tell me a little bit about just uh, your progress there, because you were there for a little over two years. Um, what was it like when you got on a plane and <laughs> flew to Egypt? Yeah. And yeah, or, or let's even before you got there, tell me about like uh, what was your thought process when they said, okay, how about how about Egypt? Uh, the the process was long and, and complicated, um, and Egypt only became clear like very late in the process. Uh, I had to go to London to do a modeling test. Then I had to like a panel interview with Mumbai, India, and at some point I had a video call with a like senior investment officer in Jerusalem. And then I spoke with Cairo and the last call was with Aman, Jordan. So I was very clueless to late, late until I got the letter that said, okay, it's going to be Cairo. Yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting, but I mean, I really wanted to go, I wanted to do it. I said I would do it anywhere. So in a way, put your money where your mouth is, right? And then you know, on the plane and do it. Got it. So you're, you're kind of getting through this whole process. It sounds like there was a lot of rounds of interviews. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel like, what do you think was the most important thing that allowed you to kind of successfully get through all those rounds? Um, I think it's a combination of, I think the CFA is one. Uh, CFA program helped. At that point, I had cleared level one, did very well. 
And they said, and in the end, they said, uh, okay, you need to continue, obviously, but it's good you started and uh, okay, let's do it. Like we'll offer you a contract. So that's, that is a very important one. And I think, you know, in, in your letter, if you are to apply it, some affinity with develop, uh, development is very important, of course. And, you know, the, the financial skills, but CFA would speak to that if, if you're busy with that program. Yeah, that's great. So th- those that combination kind of, you feel like were the main reasons they extended you a contract. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, when they did extend you a contract, was this a pay raise or a pay cut coming from ING? It's It depends on how you look at it because the IFC is United Nations, so it's tax exempt on income at least. So okay. I mean, the number is, is lower, but in the end, it's more. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're paying you 70% of what you were making, but you're keeping all of it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay so um do you mind giving us ranges in terms of what the pay of some of this type of role like investment investment analyst at the ifc is it like uh you know i'm not expecting it to be investment banking level pay in new york or something yeah. but it's it's i mean it really do, i can't say because it depends so much on where you are um so there there is a, a range for dc uh, i wasn't working in dc so i can't tell you I, i'd be speculating yeah and there's a country adjustment Mm-hmm. So I get less in like in dollar terms, right? Because in Egypt, everything is very, very cheap in, yeah. in a relative sense. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it, you're right. It's less, but it's also not it's it's not taxed. So, so you could end, be making like thirty or forty thousand USD, but being like super rich there. Yeah, that's fair to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it goes not a rich, long way. but but comfortable. It, it would go a long way. I'm like, I'm not sure what the rent is for a very decent apartment in Manhattan, but I can tell you the rent for a very decent apartment in like diplomatic quarters, Cairo. I don't know. I had a very good place for like eight, nine hundred dollars. Right. Okay. That's fair enough. That's helpful. Okay. So you're there, you're doing what type of work? Uh, were you doing date, uh, <laughs> date farming uh, advisory? Or what, what no, no, that? I wasn't. I wasn't. I, I was just picking that because a colleague did that, and it okay. was a, it's a good, clear example. But I yeah. haven't done the date farm. No, yeah. no, my colleagues. I did. Um, I was working with a large agricultural poultry company in Egypt. Uh, two different glass companies, also located in Egypt. Worked on an ophthalmology that's eye care deal with a Saudi company, uh, looking to build a hospital uh, somewhere in in the Cairo area. Mm-hmm. Um, worked on put, uh, like a pot settlement, um, also with the Saudi sponsors uh, looking to sell their stake in an Egyptian company. Mm-hmm. Um, Morocco, I've, I've worked on the, the deal that unfortunately didn't make it. You know, that happens too in Morocco. And uh, the thing, the most important one, and, you know, my highlight was Yemen, uh, food security deal, a big investment in um uh, the production of, of flour, sugar, and uh, dairy products in Yemen. Oh, cool. And so um, what was that like? You're, you guys were helping kind of finance it? Yeah, yeah. This uh, We were leading like a syndicate, a syndicate, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so you're doing all that work, and then now you're thinking, okay, now I can apply to business school. Yeah, I think uh, was it was it always like MBA? I wanted to do MBA in the US, or were you thinking going back to LSE potentially? No, it was always the US. That was pretty clear. I mean, the IFC also states um, if you want to go on and be an associate investment officer, which would be the next step, an MBA is really going to help you. So they kind of nudge you towards the MBA already. They don't say do it in the US, but I mean, I added that myself. I really wanted to go to the US. 
That's cool. And so tell me about that whole thing. You had to take the GMAT while you were abroad or how did that work? Yeah, I mean, if I was also in the Netherlands sometimes. I re, One thing I can say about IFC is they put like this whole remote working concept and stretch it to the extreme, basically. Like you, I could be in the Middle East, technically, like my laptop would be registered or logged in from the Middle East, but I would be sitting in the Netherlands somewhere. It's, so yeah, and then you had COVID, right? So like, tell me, how was it? Like, were you flying back and forth a lot or were you mostly in the Netherlands during uh, during lockdowns? And I was, I think, let's say, if I had to put a percentage on it, I was in Egypt 60 to 70% of the time over the last like, two and a half years. It's pretty tough. Yeah, I was here a lot too. I took all these CFA exams, so two and three in Amsterdam. Um, okay. I don't know, that just felt comfortable. I, I knew the place, so uh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to change that up. That's awesome, man. So any final words of wisdom to either get into business school or uh, just on your path? And I mean, it sounds like you're on, you might consider going back to do similar type of work or what's your thought process for next steps? Um, to be completely honest with you, next steps, going back is certainly an option. That would be good, great. I mean, I, I like this line of work, but Development finance is broader, right? There are more, more players involved. There are also companies on Wall Street uh, venturing into this space. Mm -hmm. JP Morgan started doing this in 2020. Uh, not entirely the same role as the IFC is playing, but interesting nonetheless. Uh, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll explore over the next two years. I guess that's the answer. Do you know any other uh, programs besides JP Morgan that are also doing more kind of, is, you're saying like impact investing type work or advisory work? Yeah, so, yeah, I know JP Morgan for a fact started the Development Finance Institute. They even, they even call it the Development Finance Team. Oh, cool. Twenty, they started doing this. Uh -huh. I think their goal is 100 billion to emerging markets per year. So it's like, jeez, it sounds like a sizable operation. Uh, yeah, at least it will be as it as it ramps up. And uh, other players, uh, I know Actis is that is a private equity fund for infrastructure investments in mm -hmm. the developing world. But I think they're London-based. Not quite sure, but... Okay. It's called Actis, you said? Actis, yes. Actis. Sounds familiar, yeah. Um, that's great. And then any any uh, tips for getting into a top business school? Um, <laughs> Have a very interesting background like yours? Well, yeah, I think that, yeah, if, if, you, if you're like me and you know that, okay, okay, I can do 700 on the GMAT, but like... It, it, it I'll barely hit the mark, you know, like I'll be just above it. I got 710 in the end. Mm -hmm. That's not, not, that's not going to be it for you. You know, that's not going to be the, the, the factor that pulls you across the finish line. So yeah, try to spice up uh, what you do, I guess, like, do some interesting things, take some risks. I hope that helps. I love it. Yeah, that's great. Um, really appreciate the time Hans that you took today. Yeah, you're welcome. It was great being here. And thanks to you, my listeners at wall street oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.